This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. I don't know if you're making a joke, but someone impost- was an imposter on Instagram, took my identity and caused all kinds of havoc and my my new puppy kobe tore her acl so uh, actually there was some crazy personal stuff but uh, i'm sure you're referring to the uh, the election which just occurred last night it actually currently is still occurring yeah i wait first of all how does a what what do you do if your puppy tears an acl uh you try to prevent her from jumping which becomes an issue because i guess these dogs if you don't let her properly heal it could be like an issue and require surgery so we got her on pain medication so she wasn't even eating or drinking the next day so clearly something was wrong so we got her on pain medication but that means she'll run and jump so it's a it's a weird uh kind of mix of trying to keep a energetic puppy with a kid three-year-old boy who doesn't know any better so it's kind of a disaster is what it is so you you're drugging your dog is basically what you're doing. She is on pain medication. That is correct. But yes, yeah, we are drugging the dog. Yes. But she's also trying to stay off one leg, uh, to moderate success. So it would not be inaccurate if the title of this podcast was Dalton drugs, his dog. Sure. You could, you could title it that I could send you a cute picture too. I'm jealous of the, the, the Twitter photos too. I, I think I even been meaning to add to that. So I'll, yeah, I'll shoot along a Kobe pick and you can, we can do that. Yeah. Uh, Did you, you see talk- that someone someone added a, a, one of their dogs to the to the Twitter feed of, uh, on the the real man Wood? I did, but you know, real man Wood, I I didn't mean to send it from that account ever because real man does not send puppy pictures out. That's just that's axiomatic that you don't do that. That's just wrong. And then what else do you say? You uh, oh yeah, you had an impersonator on Instagram. Now, you know, when I was in high school, we did some very bad pranks, like prank phone calls and stuff like that, and. I laugh because I still find it funny, but I'm not like if, if you're really if I'm really to think about it, it's not something I'm proud of because uh, it was very terrible. Uh, but we used to call two different people. Often it was a guy and a girl <laughs> who had broken up, and especially if we knew it was acrimonious, and <laughs> it'd be like three in the morning. <laughs> Usually right, we're perfect. you know uh, maybe in an altered state of consciousness. You know we're like sixteen. You know being total idiots, right. and we and we. You know, back in the day, you know, 1988 or whatever it was, 87, you had landlines, but you could call somebody and then call another person, like conference them, and then mute yourself, put it on speaker, and just get the popcorn. For sure. <laughs> because they'd be like, why are you calling me? You called me. You know, then they'd get into a fight, but they're already you know, not happy with each other. Really yeah. No, I'm a sucker. I watched, I listened to Jerky Boys. I'm yeah. a sucker. And we, and we used to, you know, we did it before them, I think, but we, you know, and uh, it was just, it was hilarious, but it was horrible. I mean, it's truly horrible, right. but I shudder to think, and I thank God every day that we did not have this kind of social media kind of stuff. Right. Because if you like got someone's password or you figured it out or you got them to spill the beans because they wanted to, you trick somebody, which we would have done that kind of thing, like trick somebody into coughing up their password, like done, you know, I don't know what we would have done, but the havoc you could wreak and then the permanence of it also, that's the other thing was permanent. You could do stuff that can be screenshotted and saved forever. So thank God that's sort of in the dustbin of history, but we were, uh, we were very bad. And to all of you who were the victims of our uh, horrible uh, pranks, uh, I apologize. It's, it's, it's like it's messed up. You know? It's like you're, you're, you're messing with people's relationships and stuff. Yeah, and that is totally the thing. Bad. If someone impersonates you, you know, it's like 
you know, they're, what do they do? They ask for, uh, for financial help after you after you lost so many bets. I mean, it's plausible, yeah, right? Yeah. They signed they, they used my same shot, my picture and, and all my same profile and everything and created a private account and just start, I apparently looked at my friend list and started uh, inviting to be friends, a bunch of friends and family, even though the name was weird, it was like D a dot L T O N and a bunch of numbers, but everyone seemed to fall for it. And someone did text me the night it happened and said, is this you? And I'm like, no. And I didn't think that much of it. I was like, I wonder where this person's going with this. Woke up the next morning to a million text messages and emails from people I haven't heard from in years. <laughs> my a friend of my dad's called me. I'm like, oh, this is where I call him back. He's like, is this legit? Like, is this loan offer legit? Like, I, I don't even know if he ended up giving him the number in hindsight or giving him any information. I hope not. But like, he was like, you know, I don't know, nearly falling for it, calling me. And, and I got on, helpfully, the, the Verizon media team helped out and they, they contacted Instagram and it was killed that day of, but I don't know. There are some people that, that may have because he's direct messaging them and trying to get their cash act number. And one final funny thing before we get to more important things is I, um, I sent screen grabs of it because uh, to the, like to the social media team to try to give them more info. And without me like proofreading what I was sending, I sent them one and my friends were totally screwing with this guy, like saying inappropriate things. And I didn't realize that. <laughs> and my boss later is like, yeah, we need to get you a screen grab editor next time. I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry, man. It's pretty funny. Like sending, sending these higher ups, all this serious issue. And it's like my friends being idiots to this guy. Cause they, a <laughs> couple of my friends clearly caught on, you know, when we're having fun with them. But uh, yeah. Anything else going on in the world? Yeah, so there's an election that's going on, and it was like this morning it looked like Trump was probably going to win. Now it looks like Biden's probably going to win. But my view is that I think I don't think this is going to have a quick resolution because the both sides are so incentivized to dig in that, and it's close enough that there's plausible deniability or plausible accusations of sketchiness that. And and just incredible distrust on both sides. Like if if you look at like the average Biden voter, what they think Trump's level of honesty is or trustworthiness is zero. And if you look at the average Trump voter, what they view of the media and the people reporting on this stuff and the Democrats is zero. So pretty much both sides believe that the other is capable of pretty much anything. And then because of that, I think they will also justify bad faith behavior by their own side in order to, because, you know, it's sort of like, well, the, the rules are kind of out the door now. It's kind of like you're in a football game and the refs are letting people get away with all sorts of dirty play. And you're like, all right, I guess I got, I'm going to play dirty also. And so I don't see this resolving peacefully anytime soon. I don't think like Trump, they'll count and they'll say, all right, all the, you know, we got the, all the, the, uh, mail-in ballots counted. It looks like Biden won. So, all right, just, you know, how about concession speech and congratulating him? I don't think that's going to happen. And even if it ends up being the Trump wins, I don't think Biden's making that call either. I just don't, I don't think their supporters would tolerate it. And then the next thing is that, you know, when Trump was president and he won the last time they were basically launched an investigation into him for being for colluding with Russia and being a traitor. So that's, you know, being a traitor is punishable by death. I mean, they were investigating him at the highest levels. It wasn't like just some media screeching or talk, talk radio was like, there's actually an investigation on him. And so I don't know if you're Trump, whether you think you might be prosecuted if you leave office also. So the stakes are really high. And, of course, all the dirty people in the Russiagate fiasco, some of them are being prosecuted. And for all we know, guys are talking and it's going up the chain. And there'll be more indictments, not just uh, Kevin Kleinsmith, the lawyer, but, but others. And those people, obviously, who still have quite a bit of power in Washington, the ex-CIA and FBI and current, some of them still current, also are not are going to do whatever they can to encourage their side to not concede. So I don't see this ending quickly. Now, what Trump's got going against him is the me the, the people who disseminate most of the information around the country definitely think he lost. Definitely think he's the cheater if anybody. 
and will communicate that as much as possible. And he's got his Twitter feed, although Twitter controls some of that, to get the message like, no, I really want it's they who are cheating and it's going to be a competition. It's going to be an information war to see who can, you know, be the most believable or at least be plausible enough for it to go to courts, go to the courts to challenge the legality of ballots that were counted later, the mail-ins, the whole, the whole deal. You know, was there a chain of custody issue where, yes, the mal- the mail-ins are valid in principle, but do we know if people could have packed them or were they, you know, do we know that they went straight from the people to the mail to the, to the precincts where they're supposed to be counted? I, I just think there's, I don't know all the details. I actually don't even want to know. I, I, just, I don't want to know the, all of the details. I just am more like whatever you think should happen. And I, I tweeted this out, like, you know, that the, the biblical story where they're like, the two mothers claim that the baby is theirs. They go to King Solomon and Solomon says, okay, well, I'll just cut the baby in half. And one says, okay, go ahead, cut it in half. And the other one says, no, 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 it's her baby. She can have it. And then Solomon knows the one who says no is the true mother because she wouldn't let her baby get cut in half. And I feel like both of them, they're going to say like, who's, you know, who won, who won? They're going to say, just cut it in half and give us the head. You know, no one's going to say, let's save the Republic and concede. Yeah, my only reference there is when Kramer and Elaine go to Newman to decide a bicycle who's theirs, and he suggests the same thing. They cut it in half, and, and Kramer <laughs> becomes when, when he says the same thing. Yeah. That's my my reference there. But um, what, So this shouldn't – I don't know. I feel like this is obviously not ideal, um, but it shouldn't come as a surprise despite what the polls and the media kept telling us. Um, even a tie was in play there. But, yeah, I haven't gone into the details either yet about what this means moving, like what is going to happen next. And I dread it, too. But um, it's uh, it was a wild night with the live betting odds at one point just looking like it was Trump was just such a sure thing. And then it totally flipping. And I know people on both sides who were texting me like it was, you know, like just just it was a wild, wild night. And it, I guess it's going to continue now. Yeah. I mean, I, I am trying to tune out as much of, as I can of the proclamations and the, the dunking and this validates me or this validates what I was saying. And this, I just, I'm not going to worry about it because I don't control, I can't control it. But I do think it's concerning that this, you know, there's a peaceful transition of power in America, right? Like it's, we're not a banana republic. We don't kill the opposing party and put them in jail. Although Obama probably should have put the Bush torturers in jail, but that's a long time ago. But pretty much we vote side wins, be pissed about it, vote him out next time. The last time that happened, Trump won, he got in office, Obama was, well, he had to leave anyway because it was the end of his term, but it wasn't accepted that Trump won. Like this, it, it had to be Russia, Putin, collusion, this is not a valid win. Now, you know, they always try to invalidate each other to some extent. I mean, the birther thing that Trump himself was was starting, was trying to invalidate Obama, but it was so fringy. Nobody really there, there are people that believed it, but it wasn't like the nightly news carrying it every day. And that kind of dissipated pretty quickly. He showed his birth certificate. Okay, move on. But they really escalated at this time with the Russia stuff. It was a three-year investigation. It was serious. People still believe it to this day. I mean, if I tweet about it, I get comments like, these guys got indicted, even though what they got indicted for had nothing to do with collusion. There's so many, like, you can't fight every, you argue with these people. You can't even argue with them because they're all going to cite something. It's like an endless rabbit hole of fighting if you, if you try to respond. So, so that took it to another level. And now this is taken to a level I fear that's going to be beyond that where it's like, no, we're, that's you, you cheated. You didn't win. And so they're just never going to just surrender and say, okay, yeah, you got the votes. Yeah, I was close. I mean, it's kind of like 2000, right? I thought the Democrats shouldn't have conceded there, but they did, but we're in a whole different world now. Yeah, Bill Maher's been saying for so long, you know, Trump's not going to leave. He's not going to leave even if he loses. Um, and, and now he's probably going to brag about that because it, it's going to be not a peaceful transition it, it, with this outcome. That's uh, but this much is the framing. But I see, I don't, I, I don't like to quote Bill Maher like someone like that because he's framing it like he's not leaving if he loses. But the correct framing is I'm not going to accept that I actually lost. It's not like oh yeah, right. I, no 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 no, got you. I, got I, you. I, got you. I, I think no, but but that's kind of that kind of language is is significant yeah. because it, it seeps into our uh, discord, our framing of the situation. No, no, no. 
I'm just saying he's been saying that before this all happened, and now this is uh, definitely more of a gray area. That was my my yeah. wording. Yeah. No, right. No, but no, but people are saying that, and what they're trying to do is, well, a like dunk if if that happens, it's sort of a hedge. Like, okay, well, they don't want this to happen necessarily, but if it does, like, see, I told you. But I think again, like, and I, I'm not saying he's definitely wrong. I just he would I, he would be done. He would have to leave if that were the framing. See, I don't think he would get away with that. He can't say, yeah. I lost. There's no way Trump would say, I lost. You're right. Joe Biden won, but I'm not leaving. Because that's, that's not possible. He's not a uh, dictator. He doesn't have the power to do that. He would get ushered out by the police or the Secret Service, whatever. They would, they would literally just escort him out of the White House. The, the way it's going to work is, I didn't actually lose. Of course, I'll leave if I lose, but I didn't lose. And they'll say, well, yeah, you did. Look at the electoral vote count like yeah i was winning and then all these uh boxes of only biden ballots started showing up and suddenly conveniently where they needed them to and then i didn't lose is that true i don't think i don't know that it's true i don't have any evidence that there's anything you know we knew there were mail-in ballots coming we knew those mail-in ballots were people who wanted to avoid the polls we knew that the democrats were more likely to want to avoid covid and avoid the polls it's logical that the mail-in ballots would skew against trump I don't know how, certainly not, you know, 90-10, but maybe 60-40 or 65, you know, who knows what it is, depending on the location. But that's all true. So there's a totally plausible story you can tell where it looked like Trump was winning on election day, but these ballots that had been placed early start getting counted and they're mostly Democrats and he didn't win. Totally plausible, on the level, people, everything valid, fine, that's totally possible. Another story you could tell, plausibly, is... That mail-in ballots, not very easily traced. Do we know the chain of custody of all of these things? Could they not manufacture another 50,000 conveniently in the places they needed to? Yeah, they probably could. Well, what's the evidence of that? I don't know the evidence of that. There's people with reports of it, but I don't necessarily trust those reports. But you're already dealing with a side that perpetrated a fake Russian conspiracy for three years on a duly held election, would they do it? Sure, they would. Now, I definitely think the burden's going to be, I mean, if I'm a court of law, I would say, okay, these mail-in ballots are a little sketchy. One, you challenge, was this legal to allow these mail-in ballots? Like, is this a legitimate way to do it without the absentee process where you have to one-to-one order them? And two, if you do have it, is there some sort of chain of custody requirement that they need to show? And three, if not, um, is there strong evidence that there was fraud. And if he can't show strong evidence that there's fraud, then I would think the court would rule against him. But all this stuff can be challenged, and there's probably other procedural things that I'm not aware of, and I'm not going to become an expert on electoral law for these purposes, and what I just said, some of it could be bullshit because I'm just thinking off the top of my head. But the point is, as soon as there's doubt on both sides, right? it's really bad. I mean, the, the whole system has to be trusted. But we're, we're at a point where literally one guy won last time and the other side still thinks that it was shown, even though Mueller didn't prosecute or anything and said there, there wasn't sufficient evidence of it. And they're like, well, they didn't say there wasn't evidence. Of, you know, it's like, well, that's not how it works. But they're still are, are alleging a Russia conspiracy for the last election. So the question is, are they then entitled to a good faith fight over the ballot, I mean, recounts are good faith, making sure everything's legit is good faith with the mail-in ballot, all that's fine. And then if it's both good faith, like, okay, we're trying to find out if there's any evidence. Okay, there's no real strong evidence that there was intentional fraud. Maybe there was an, you know, an extra ballot sent here or there, but nothing widespread. Okay, concede. But are, are both sides entitled to good faith? And I don't, I don't know. I don't think they're going to proceed like that's the case. <clears throat> One last thing about Bill Maher, just because it reminded me, he had Al Franken on as a guest this late last week in an attempt to rehabilitate him. And it was so painfully bad, the interview. I actually recommend each of you go That's search it out and watch it. It was, yes, yeah, really. It's so story. cringe. Um, can I, this is a serious question and maybe, maybe it's dumb, but why have we not created a website where everyone can just sign in with their social security and vote for president? Uh, if you have libraries well, open, couple, whatever. A like, couple, couple oh, reasons. Okay. All right. So one is if it's totally online and there's no paper trail, the hacking and digital fixing is – the potential for that is 
There's potential, but it seems it would be less uh, worrisome than the current version. It'd be less messy and less a fewer amount of people involved needing to monitor everything, but it would just take one person with inside access to change some you know, some entries in a spreadsheet. Yeah, I forgot I'm asking the guy who doesn't want robot umps because he's worried about the conspiracy. So I'm definitely go, going barking up the wrong tree here. Yeah, but but do, you, do you really think that's comparable? I mean, like, if you look at, like, all those hacks of, like, Equifax and all the data that's been stolen from so many different places, you don't, you don't think that, like, to have a centralized, basically you're saying one centralized place. Now, now using a blockchain might help because... You you have there it so that it's like copied in a whole bunch of different places. So if anyone went in and had a screwed up ledger, it wouldn't match the other ledgers. Basically, in ten years, everyone will just be voting for through blockchain. Is is the answer? Yeah, I, I actually think that Bitcoin itself might have the answer uh, because there's going to be timestamp transactions with private keys and public keys that are that not, proved like the Biden email time yes. even right? Yeah, yes. <laughs> that's crazy. That's wild. Yeah. So I, I think that there's something that was coming down the pike. I think I mentioned it once that where I don't understand it entirely, but it's like an ID key. So now like you have a bunch of websites and you like put in all your personal info and they have all these different places have all your personal info, banks and credit cards and cell phone company that you use them. And there's just so many places that have your info and you got to type in a password for each one, a different one and mm-hmm. all this shit. And it's a real pain in the ass. And it's also just very shoddy security. And the more security you have, the the more of a pain you know, inconvenient it is. And what if you just had like a public private key situation like you do with, with Bitcoin, but it was an identity key. And so you just basically churned out the way you turn out a Bitcoin address, you turn out like a, a valid, public key every time you log in and the website knows how to validate that that came from your actual private key. They don't even know who you are necessarily. They would just know that it came from a valid private key and it connects you to this money or this account. And you know, we, you could probably even do it with voting, you know, they, maybe that one when you have your identity connected, but so everybody, you know, it's, it's like impossible to cheat and it's on the blockchain and it's, so that would be great. But, you're talking about the government, man. I mean, remember Obamacare got rolled out and like nobody, the website didn't work and like it cost five times as much it was supposed to cost. It took longer. The government doesn't make, I, mean, I guess you could, but then you're going to outsource it to a private contractor. That's the solution. But then the private contractors got all of the, you know, they know how the system works. Again, if it's a blockchain, then maybe it'll, it would be a fail safe, but anything short of that, it's just, how can you trust some private entity with the you know the results of the U.S. election? All right. Okay. Apparently you can't. So um, another question. Uh, your thoughts on do – you, do you have an opinion – I want your opinion on you know, Trump going on TV basically and saying, you know, it's a problem. They're trying to steal the election, but whereas – Biden says, well, you know, do you think that Trump is, quote unquote, dividing the nation? Do you think it's like dangerous, uh, his incitingness, or is that just something that personally does not matter at all? I don't think it's good, but I think that the context is also important. The reason Biden doesn't have to do that is because he's got his, uh, his hacks in the media doing it for him. They are, have divided the nation for four years. This guy's a traitor. He's... They keep saying Trump's dividing the nation, but they're the ones that keep saying it. And sometimes when you look at the original Trump quote in context, you may not agree with it, but it, it's usually not exactly what, what they're saying that he well, said. Well, the fine people hoax, yeah. That was a huge yes. hoax, the fine yeah. people hoax, right? I mean, in, yeah. in that thing, and he said, I condemn the white supremacists totally. But that yeah. was totally left out. And everyone's yeah. like, no, he said there were fine people who were Nazis. You know, it's like, no, he yeah. said, I condemn them totally, but that was left out. So Biden can be the good, you know, he can be the good cop. He can, uh, I, I want to make sure everything's counted. And Trump, who's doesn't have that, you know, he has his like right wing, Breitbart, Daily Caller, those kind of sites doing his dirty work. But they're, they're fringe compared to the, the muscle of all the other ones. And then you add in like social media sites that are censoring the Biden stories. And Biden has overwhelming media support. So again, like it's, it's not good to do that. But if your premise is, look, this is close enough. You know by 24 hours ago, this is going to be reasonably close. So we know that mail-in ballots will probably matter. Okay, so we know that, that this is going to be in dispute. So then if you've decided, okay, 
what we have to do is act like we won and they're the one trying to challenge it. They're the one trying to mess it up with mail-in votes. And the Democrats are going to be like, no, mail-in votes are legit. We agreed on that. And the states passed those laws and we won. And you're trying to challenge this in court. But I do think it is important if you want to frame the debate, forget about like the ethics of it, because I don't think there are any. I mean, there should be, but there aren't. It's important to frame the debate as we won and this guy's trying to say that we cheated. We won and this guy's trying to cheat us. This guy's trying to upend it. And so you need to declare yourself the winner and that the complaining is coming from the other side. It's a framing. You know, we won fair and square and this is them stirring it up. And Biden doesn't have to do that because he knows the media is going to do that for him. And Trump is like the one man media show, right? He's got his 80 million Twitter followers and, but that's, that's it. There's Fox and there's a couple of outlets. So he's going to, he's going to get his hands a lot dirtier. No, that's a fair point that he, yeah, he has the media working for him, Biden. Um, what other thoughts do you have? Because I have a lot of other random stuff to talk about this week, but the election's kind of kind of a big news here. So, what do you have any other thoughts and where we go from here? I mean, it's uh, it's my, just so my, up my in the air right now. This, my thoughts are this: I, I don't think it's going to matter to most people what I'm saying, but I feel like Trump lies all the time. He he called races for him that I don't see how he could call those. I, you know, I, even if there ended up being fraud with the mail-in ballots, I don't think he could know that now. And so, so he was basically just lying. He also, you know, lies about a lot of things that are demonstrous, you know, the size of the crowd, just routine stuff. He lies all the time. But I kind of think most people know who Trump is, even the people who vote for him. There's some people who are like, oh, he's the greatest ever. But I think most people are like, yeah, it's Trump. You know, that's who he is. But I think the bigger lie is who the Democrats are, who Hillary Clinton really is, who Joe Biden really is, who Obama was you know, what they actually stood for and what they actually did and did not stand for. I think that's the bigger lie. And I think a lot of people voting on that side, as Ted Bell said, they're not Cornell West who says, hey, I'm voting for Obama, but I'm not going to lie for Obama. I mean, Obama, I mean, Biden. I'll vote for Biden, but I'm not going to lie for Biden. I'm sure he didn't lie for Obama either. I think that's the vast minority. I think they, most of them believe in team good, that there's good versus evil. They really believe the larger lie about geopolitics and you know we're in portugal and one of heather's one of our portuguese friends were like oh my god you know i i just hope for you guys some that that man isn't you know back in power again for four years like they don't again they're not necessarily wrong it's not like trump is a desirable figure to be president of the united states it's just that like she gets her foreign cnn information too like it's just she doesn't have any idea i don't think most people have any idea and almost everything you learn about politics and politicians from the legacy media, which is how most people learn it. Even if it's not directly, it's memes on, on social media and images and framing. That's why I said that Bill Maher thing. I was like, yeah, but that's framing it that way is from the legacy media. And I said, it would be like learning about the NFL and players and teams and who's good through Terry Bradshaw. <laughs> I saw, yeah. you know, it's, like, it's like, Oh, Terry said that, you know, the best quarterback of all time was Brett Favre or something. You know I mean? He might say something like that. And, and, a naive person would be like, yeah, I guess it's Favre or Brady or... Only Terry without an agenda. Yeah, Terry doesn't have an agenda. Terry's just being goofy and entertaining. He might have an agenda, but there's no reason to think he does. He's just entertaining people and being goofy and not really being that rigorous about his, what he's saying. But that's what it's like. But yet people who are smart otherwise, they're reasoning validly because their brains work, but the premises they're reasoning from are so false. Everything's a lie. I mean, a lie upon a lie. So I feel like one of the things that you got to do is like, everything you hear is disinformation. It's spinning things. It's like, oh, you know, it's, it's really unfortunate that, that Trump is besmirching the integrity of this election. I mean, it's really unfortunate. It's really bad for the Republic. And like pretending like Russiagate didn't happen, you know, or that, that like this is in isolation. It's like people in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict who are like, and I probably shouldn't have been weighing on that because I'm not versed in that, but I'm saying they'll just take one thing that happens and they'll be like, this is horrible. How could they do this? And, and they're not being like, yeah, but you've got to understand the context of like, you know, everything else. So I'll probably delete that because I don't want to, I, I hate when I fucking 
get into something as a throwaway analogy and then people want to argue that and I don't even care about that. It was just like a passing that happens to me all the time. You understand what I'm saying? That if you don't look at the, the wider context, then you, know, you, you can frame things in a very narrow way. And then the last thing is this, and, and I mentioned this before, but like, you know, people were ecstatic when Obama beat that stiff, that nutless monkey, Mitt Romney. But they then think Trump is Hitler and the worst thing that could ever happen. But if Romney had beaten Obama, there would not be Trump, obviously, right? Because if Romney would be running on the Republican ticket in 2016, there'd be no Trump. So you don't know the second order effects of these things. Yeah. So, so not only you know, is all the shit you're hearing based on a lie, and they're going to completely frame things to make you, ooh, yeah, this, you know, ooh, this sounds good. I agree with this. I'm, this is a point score that I like. You know, it sounds good. But also, you don't even know what you're getting long-term and the consequences and the second-order effects. So that's really, you know, that's it. You know? and, and it's going to come down to operatives and dirty play. And, and I think both sides are very dirty. And I, I'm not saying they're equal. I don't really give a fuck. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I've seen enough the last four years to know that like, the lies and the messaging that's going on and the way people have been conditioned is, is a huge lie. And so while I'm not going to defend the specifics of anything that someone's doing, I'm just sort of, I'm sort of detached from it. I'm like, all right, let them kill each other. Let them sort it all out. And hopefully if the knife starts to get close to the baby, somebody fucking steps in and says, all right, fine. But I honestly don't see that happening. In fact, I think they're going to increase the pain. You know, riots, they're going to foment riots, blame it on one side blame it on the other side, have all sorts of like false flag. I mean, I think there's going to be operations going on now is what I'm saying. I liked, I was going to bring up your tweets about the second order effects being so unknown and um, totally with you. Um, one thing I will say, one argument I have heard is that we, about Trump is that the second term president, they can kind of do a little bit more because, you know, there, there's no threat of being not, not elected. But I think it's hundred percent what you said. We know him. Whereas, you know, there's, we definitely don't know the others, at least is, is a little bit more fake to say the least, but what, okay. I have friends who are really just totally upset about the fact that he does lie and he's ineloquent and he's basically, we are seen as a laughing stock in the world right now. Um, I don't know. Is that a reason to, to, I mean, I don't know, maybe it is a good enough reason to, to get, to get adamantly want him out of there, but that does seem like a thing like that, that bothers people very much. Yeah, I mean, are we seen as laughing stock compared to previous? I mean, obviously Trump is an absurd dude, so I mean, it's it is funny. I mean, if you're even if you're a U.S. citizen, you're like, hey, this is ridiculous. This is the president. I mean, it is on its face ridiculous, and I'm sure other people in other countries notice that as well. But what does that mean, right? I mean, people don't really give a shit about whether we're a laughing stock or we've got like the smooth talking, cool Obama or whoever, you know, diplomatic. Yeah. Uh, eloquent Obama, elegant guy that he was. That's important to you? Like what other people see your president as? I don't know. To me, that's like beyond, beneath trivial, like below trivial. I, and, and a lot of people cite that, like, you know, his tweets, a lot of misspellings. Um, he's crass. He's not a high class kind of guy. And I do think that, we talked about this a little bit, like this is a divide in America and it's on purpose and it's, it's fostered mostly by academia colleges that the professional class, which doesn't get paid very much or some of them do, but not most journalists, academics, uh, people who work for in middle management at companies, uh, media, you know, uh, you know, us people, our world, our, we are all educated. We learned to speak in a certain way. We learned Mostly not to brag too much, to be self-deprecating, all these sort of like nutless monkey things that we are, you know, we're soft, right? We're like very civilized in a certain way. And there's another class of people that are more, you know, they don't know all the rules for what, you know, what things you can say and the terminology that's been uh, kiboshed, you know, about certain groups or ways of describing people, you know, they don't know all the rules, some of them make money. They're business owners or entrepreneurs or just working class people or you know, just, just people of a different class, basically. There's two classes. There's the professional class and there's the working class. And I feel like I, I, we've been encouraged in college to, to, to feel like 
in colleges and, and just not you know online and everything else that that we may not make as much money. We may not be succeeding because more and more the, the top has been sucking out all the wealth. So a lot of us in the professional class are not, we're not rich. Not, not, the professional class is, it's educated and it knows how to read a spreadsheet and do math and speak well or read well, write well, but we're not making that much money. But you know what? Instead of money, we have class. We know the difference. We don't yeah, use certain do. terms anymore. You know, we're, we're not these rednecks that will talk about this kind of person this way and stuff. And polite, we're in polite society. We can, we can hang in polite society and uh, we don't misspell things on a tweet. We don't write your, you are, you know, you, you know, the you are mm-hmm. version of your without the apostrophe. Mm-hmm. We don't, we don't do things like that. And honestly, like, we want a president like Obama who reflects those values and views, right? I mean, Obama was Harvard, Harvard Law Review constitutional professor. I mean, this, this guy uh, was polished. He was one of us. He was a member of the professional class. People love that. And Trump is not. Trump is the sort of, he's a member of the, he went to Wharton or whatever, and his dad was rich, though he grew up in Queens. But he's, a, he's more of a, you know, he looks like a mafia guy. He looks like, you know, Tony Soprano. He talks like Tony Soprano. That's kind of, I mean, he doesn't have the accent as much. He's a little accent, but he's just like that class of person. So I think a lot of the resentment isn't about, I mean, who gives a shit if a guy has a typo or how, you know, whatever. It's all about. You know, he misspelled Poles is pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. P- Polish people. Yeah, exactly. But the, <laughs> but, the, but the point is that. I think people identify very strongly with like a certain class and not another class and vice versa. Uh And so what people hate about that is like, this guy's not, he's not the right class. It's like an Indian caste system or something. It's like, I don't know, a person of this caste can't have this role. That's ridiculous. That's embarrassing. Other nations are embarrassed. It's a projection. You're embarrassed. You're you're embarrassed because you've told yourself, even though you don't make a lot of money, even though you don't have much power, even though you work at a shitty job that you don't really like that much, you at least have class and dignity and you're a team good and you're a good person and they've sold you this bill of goods and it's important to you because it's all you got because you didn't get what you really wanted in life. All you got was these identity of yourself as this kind of team good, classy, educated person. I read the right books. I listen to the right music. I follow the right people online. You know, I know how to be in polite conversation. And so... This fucking asshole doesn't respect me. This guy is of a, he's a, he clearly doesn't respect the rules that I've lived my whole life by, that I learned in college and that I applied and police other people on. And so they hate that fuck. That's, that's the reason I think they hate him. Because policy wise, if you look at substantive policy that affects your life, usually that's not the complaint when they're talking that's about That's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, totally. Um, <clears throat> While I'm certainly not above it, and I strongly considered uh, voting for my guy Andrew Yang purely because he follows me on Twitter, um, I went reason. Tulsi. I went so Tulsi. did I. So did I. So, so did, I just so got to say props to you for months ago saying that, and I came around to it, and it was fairly easy for me. I respect her, man. I respect her the more and more. And uh, yeah, just give you props for saying that a long time ago. Oh, thanks. And I, I voted for her too. I think Ted Bell too. Just wrote her in. You I know? wrote her in. Yeah. I, yeah. 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 yeah, we had to write it in. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, I, just, I mean, it was just like I'm not, I'm not supporting this bullshit, and I'm not part of this. I don't care. I mean, obviously, I was raised in the class that should be voting for Biden and hating Trump, but like, I don't feel that way because I can see that it's pathetic to cling to that, to cling to an identity of oh, look how refined I am. I'm on team. Look how good I am compared to these, the rabble out there. You know, the guys who work for a living. And who aren't does, don't know all the rules of what you can and can't say on Twitter or whatever. I don't. I don't feel that way. I don't feel better than them. I don't feel superior to them in any way. You know, my education, which I have a lot of, I think is like it was mostly bullshit, and it, I I didn't enjoy it. I didn't respect it. I didn't really like a lot of the people that I was with. I thought they were phonies. I thought they were careerists. A lot of them. I didn't connect to it. I didn't get into networking when I was in college or law school. I didn't feel like that was something I should, well, you got to be networking more, man. You got to be none of that shit. I didn't like any of that stuff. I I don't believe in it. I fine. I I don't begrudge if you do what you got to do to make some money, but like there's no solace in being the good guy. It's a Nietzsche, Nietzsche thing that, you know, that 
I think the the person who, you know, sort of the loser, the guy who's, I don't know the exact quote, but the guy who's beaten down and losing will take solace, refuge in morality. Well, at least I'm a good guy. You know, he might get the girl and he might have the money, but he's a jerk and I'm a good guy. To me, like, to the extent that I've failed at many things, being the good guy wasn't very comforting to me. And I probably fell for that bullshit for a while too, you know, but it's not, it's not the place to go, man. It's not, uh, there's no real refuge in that. Oh, I, yeah, I, I did for years. Um, well said, Liz. Um, let's, let's move on. Cause I, I want to ask you, I, I was actually very nervous last night for different reasons. Uh, and that was the uh, fourth largest wallet, uh, moving $1 billion of Bitcoin, uh, some silk roader. Uh, it's unclear if it's legit or what, but it being a silk road deal, um, it's the, the dark web as they say. Um, so your thoughts on this as otherwise the price has been going up. It's going way up, and it's over 14k as we're recording this podcast, and uh, we'll see. I mean, you know, there could be a, a big market crash, and if there's a stock market crash, I think there's some. Why is the market going up with uh, with the, the election uncertain? I feel like that would be like you know that was the that was the worry that it would be delayed. Well, but I, 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 yeah, okay. some some of the guys I follow think there's some real shenanigans going on in the Fed, or some traders, or somebody bidding it up every night. It's always at night off hours after hours there's like this big ramp up and somebody's like injecting money into the market and i i don't know or it could just be i, I really don't know but it seems like kind of shady whoever moved that chose election day too probably for a reason to a busy news day but anyway that's an interesting thing to follow and i wanted to ask you a couple battles uh i wanted to, to a battle theme here but i, I watched a, a listen to a pod that's about a month old so you've probably seen it but sailor and your keith guy and i found it really engaging have you seen that one i saw part of it and he basically he tells uh don't say my keith guy anymore because i i don't i don't i did recommend <laughs> okay. him once but i don't i don't okay. I think that guy's kind of full of it. I don't think he's like a total charlatan, although he could be. I'd watch that. I'd recommend that. It's yeah. whatever, 40 minutes. Go yeah. find the full version of that one. Because he pushes back. It's interesting. Yeah, no, he does. But he says to, I thought Michael Seller said to him, like, yeah, hey, you're dealing with inflation at, you know, percent and a half, 2% a year. He's like, I see it as 22% yeah. a year when you look at the inflation of assets. And so the quad system they have, we talked about the other a couple quad weeks four, ago. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. that's based on data that, you know, that Michael Seller didn't agree with. But the other thing about Keith McCulloch that doesn't interest me is that he's a trader. Like he'll buy Bitcoin, he'll sell it, he'll buy yeah. it back. He's always got these risk ranges and maybe it works. I mean, for, I don't, I really don't know, but I have zero interest in that. That to me is a, a road to bankruptcy. Why would you not want the thing that's going to replace money itself yeah. rather than, and, and try to like time the market? Up? Why would you play a game with it? Once you have conviction, Trading is it's like a childish, foolish, foolish thing to be doing. No, you're like trading gold. I mean, it's a, you got to treat this as a long term asset. Yeah, totally. Um, I do. I do think that's worth watching. Okay. Though, um, just a couple other random things. Did you see Greenwald on Rogan right before he resigned? Unfortunately, but uh, did you did you catch that? I saw the first forty minutes of it, and I thought it was excellent. I mean, I've seen so much and read so much sure. Greenwald that I assume like I sure. know you know like a lot of it. I, I'll probably watch the rest of it at some point, but. Uh, any thoughts on him in general, though? I see like the intercept people have kind of going back and forth at him, but I like, I don't know, it just seems like him and Taibi and like Tracy are like the lone, the lone wolves out there. I mean, the intercept was a nutless monkey publication and Greenwald was the only reason to subscribe. I mean, Scahill, I like Jeremy Scahill too, but the rest Didn't of them. Didn't he found it even? Greenwald? Yeah, it was, it was Scahill, Greenwald and Laura Poitras and, and Laura Poitras was the documentary filmmaker behind, uh, Citizen Four, the Edward Snowden documentary. She was with them in Hong. It was it was wasn't just Greenwald. She was there also. So, and she filmed it while you know Greenwald was doing the the questioning and the writing. And you know they were legit, and they got backing from this billionaire Pierre Omidar. He's one of the eBay billionaires, PayPal, eBay, or whatever. And uh, you know he had this cushy job and all this stuff, and it was good for him. But the rest of those people were just you know, MSNBC standard issue, Washington Post neolib types. So to see them shitting on him is kind of like, yeah, of course they are, you know, because they don't do shit. I mean, all these people, I, I mean, Greenwald's combative. He fights battles he probably shouldn't. I think it's entertaining, but it's probably not ideal for him personally. But and it's beneath him. But like when you went to Hong Kong to like meet Stone in person where you get arrested and you break that story. (laughs) I mean, these fucking idiots, like, you know, people from like Vox, these like, these are just like 
totally servile lackeys of power of the powerful, you know, and like these people criticizing Greenwald, they don't even know what journalism is that for them, it, you know, it doesn't even, it's not even about that. The words journalism or Greenwald's this, or I do this. And you, that's just, it's just noise. Like all they're really doing is trying to show for other people who they are so that they can be liked. That's all their purpose is. They don't have a function as a journalist. They don't even know what that means. It doesn't even, they think they do, but it's so removed from the reality. Greenwald is actually like these people are in power and I think they've done something wrong, and I'm going to fucking expose it, whatever the cost. And that's just how he is. He did it to Bolsonaro while he's living in Brazil, and Bolsonaro is like a psychopath. And tried to get Greenwald arrested, and you know they got the best lawyers in Brazil, and they fought it. But you know that's he's a badass. You know, I mean, he's he's a huge badass, and these other people are total cowards. So I don't know. I just find it like I just I mute all of them. I don't even listen. I, I Greenwald, you know, I don't agree with everything. He thinks uh, he's definitely more leftist than me. He's a he's a vegan. Uh, all these things that I don't right, aren't my right. thing. But like, I don't give a shit about any of that. You know, I mean, it, people are like, "Oh, why are you worshiping Greenwald?" I'm like, "No, there's like he's one of the he's like one of the only journalists. He's the most important journalist in the world. I mean, it's not worship. It's like it's like saying, "Oh, why do you why are you praising Pat Mahomes' quarterback play so much? You're kissing his ass." I'm like, "No, he's the best quarterback maybe ever, and he's definitely the best quarterback now. He and Russell Wilson." It's not, it's like people can't get like what's actually at, at stake. It's like, no, I'm familiar with his work and that's why I appreciate him. It's not, um, you know, kissing his ass. Cause I think he's some enlightened person. I just respect the quality of what he's done and the risk that he's taken. So the, my favorite part of actual, the, the Rogan pod with Greenwald was, was Greenwald learning in real time why Joe Rogan's podcast became so massive. And he's even admitted after you can just totally tell how impressed he is with the, cause Rogan is just an awesome interviewer, man. I mean, he just really is. And you can just see in real time, Greenwald be like, Oh, this MMA meathead. Oh, this is why he is so big. Um, I found that truly uh, interesting. Um, other, other quick things before we get to football, your guy, Rufus, um, whom I love uh, his hits every week. Uh, on, on XM, uh, not only was he sweating Biden big, and I'm surprised he was so on Biden. Man, I, I don't know. I guess a ton of money came in on Trump, and it was a five million dollar bet, and they thought it was dumb money. But you saw him with Empire Maker on Twitter. I guess they got into some big DFS beef, and then Sam Harris called Trump Hitler, and I guess compared uh, said that hit, hit, Trump is worse than Hitler, and apparently he did a podcast with Andrew Sullivan that is just it's just uh, I guess worth a listen because it's it's eye opening how much people can otherwise super smart and intelligent just have a hatred for people. So have you heard of any of that? I know your thoughts on Harris have been I, conflicting before. Yeah, I I didn't hear about it. Uh, it doesn't sound that interesting. I just, I just think it's just so ridiculous, Hitler. I mean, come on, man. This is like it's just absurd on his face. Okay, we're going to talk some football then? Yeah, I'll tell you about Rufus, though. Uh, so, so Rufus, yeah, he, he, he had those bets, and you know, if Biden holds on, Biden's favored right now, but I think it's going to be quite a while before those get paid out, and then I think he'll win some money. But he had this guy, Seth Byrne, on his podcast, and Seth Byrne is a, is a character. He's just like a dick, but he's kind of funny and goofy, and he, I guess he's like a serious gambler, like a legit gambler. And he was basically just calling out. They they were interviewing him, what he thought about the election, what bets he had, and he was they're going over it. And then he just turns on Jeff Ma and Rufus and starts saying how they're bad for the space and they 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 associate with touts. And and Rufus and Jeff like they don't really you know Rufus is very anti tout, but but basically that uh, <laughs> that they had guys who were once touting when they were in their twenties that are you know on their podcast occasionally or something and. It was just, it was pretty funny. And I, I were, bookmarked that pod because you mentioned that on uh, XM. So that's so, worth, is it worth circling back even though yeah, the elections already happened? Yeah, okay. it's pretty okay. good. I mean, the okay. election stuff's fine, but this guy's just, he's just a character. I mean, I say he's okay. a dick. I mean, he's not, I don't know if he's a bad guy. He's just like, I mean, it would just be funny. To, I mean, take some stones. He just comes on the podcast, does the interview, and then turns on them and starts basically scolding them and just taking it to them. And, uh, He's kind of a purist, you know, when it comes to like, you don't ever associate ever again at any point with somebody. And Rufus and Jeff were like, well, we're not like giving them a platform to sell their picks or advertising their, you know, it's like they made one. And he was just sort of like, no, if they've ever done that, you don't even ever associate basically. Uh, so it was, <laughs> right. it was a good, but it was just like, they just were like, okay. And they let her, you know, to their credit, they just like, they let it right. ride. They put it out right. there, but it was, right. Pretty, right. it was pretty funny. I think it was. It's good. It's yeah, good. to hear someone have like their own podcast and have their guests start grilling. And, that and sounds like a good he did a pretty good prosecutorial job, but uh, I get it. I get where he's coming from, but I, 
I don't think it was that damning to Rufus or Jeff Ma. Right. <clears throat> All right. So uh, football. Um, I have a quick rule for you. A rule check. Why, why don't they do this rule? Uh, let's say someone does a false start uh, from their own one foot line. Okay. Yep. So like, what is the, that's the silly, I heard the announcer, this is the world's shortest penalty in NFL history. Why would you not just make the first down marker go five yards for the other way? So it's first and 15, but the, you know what I get what I'm saying? Yeah, what, totally. What, totally. Stay where you are in the world. Why would they not just do that? Anyway, that came up to me. I just wanted to bring it up. In the right. Podcast because that's that, really, that, that is the thing, right? It's not that where you are in the 25 or the 20 yard line that kills you. It's that you have to go 15 yards to get a first down. That's the penalty. Yeah. So yeah. why are they, you're right. That's a, hey, that's your first good idea you've ever had on this <laughs> podcast. Okay. Awesome. All right. We're done here. We're done. Can we move on? All right, yeah. cool. All right. Okay. All right. What are the what are the picks? I I will admit here I um switched off the winning Seahawks pick in our super contest be, part in part because you didn't even have the Seahawks. I, I switched to the Packers, whom we both had, who were annihilated, and of course the Seahawks covered easily because that's. And the I way told you I didn't like go. the Packers. I told you, yeah. man, I didn't feel good about that one. So I'll own that one. My bad. And I, but, as I feared the Niners, that is exactly what I, well, I didn't quite fear that being Jimmy Garoppolo's last appearance ever as a 49er, but uh, I did fear that that could, could go bad. Well, you know, you and me both had a sort of a come to Jesus moment. Cause I, I don't think you'll be defending Garoppolo anymore. And I've also st- going to stop defending Danny dimes from now on after that game. It's the, same, the same exact week. Yeah, that's right. It was that's just like, you know what? I, I was an apologist for a long time and that's it. I, my job is done. I, I did what I could. I did everything I could for the guy. And at some point he's got to walk and swim on his own. You know, if he can't, well, if he dies, he dies. I, I can't really, can't live his life for him, you know? All right. And if it's Garoppolo, the injury is a problem. Well, the guy can't stay healthy. I mean, he tore his ACL two years ago, hurt his shoulder in his brief appearance with the Patriots. And now this uh, two ankle injuries. I mean, and and what's uh, the upside that you're waiting around for, for him to get healthy, right? It's not like Pat Mahomes gets hurt or something for a while. You're like, okay, we just need to get this guy back. It's not like Kittle who gets hurt, but you're like, okay, we need to get him back. Why would anyone wait around for Jimmy Garoppolo to get, you know, extended period of health? I know the Seahawks um, blitz probably less and, and the game script doesn't matter, but it's really damning when Nick Mullen steps in and immediately gets 200 yards against the, the worst defense. Right. They allowed the most passing yards in NFL history uh, through that many games. So yeah. that, and, and that's the same Nick Mullins that threw a pick six a few weeks before. Yeah. That embarrassed yeah. James Winston. So yeah, Jimmy G's zero guaranteed money next year. So I, it's sad, but I, I think he's, he's done with that team. Yeah. All right. So, Let's see. I, I opened my uh, beating the book. Said the 49ers have lost all their good players and starting quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, all right, Packers minus five and a half. There's COVID. We don't know if it's going to get played tomorrow or ever. Uh, I took the I took the Niners, but I've zero conviction in this one. Um, I took the Packers, but zero conviction as well. Uh, not one player on all, that touched the, the ball for the 49ers in that championship game. He's will be on the field, yeah. on the field, yeah, not one player. So I took the Packers, but who knows who's even going to play in this. So that's a, that's a Rufus made the line to pick them, you know? Yeah. I mean, Mullins is, ah, there's so many other injuries though. third string centers. Yeah, but they dis- blew out the Patriots with those. Yeah. Most of these guys hurt. Kittle's the only Rob- one that's really, Kittle's the only new one that really, really cost them. But Rodgers is coming off a bad game, and they just got blown out in, in San Francisco. They've been really bad when they traveled the West Coast, though, like all of last year. So, yeah, I could see the Niners. Yeah, I could see it. So Short weeks of travel. All right, yeah. uh, Seahawks minus three at Bills. I made the line three, so I have no strong feeling here. Yeah, same here, Seahawks. I'm crazy the Bills uh, are six and two with a negative point differential. I, I took Russell Wilson, but it's a, another one I wouldn't want to use. I took the Seahawks, too, but I probably wouldn't use it. Okay, Broncos plus four at Falcons. It's where I set the line. Um, I kind of like the Falcons. I could be talked into it. I, I sent in the Broncos, but definitely not one I felt strongly okay. about. You look at their their skill position players. They look if they're all healthy, but who knows how good um, you know Locke is? And, and I have no idea what to make of Atlanta. Yeah, they've been better since they fired Dan Quinn. They've been like you know they beat they crushed Minnesota in Minnesota. They crushed Carolina last week. They have ten days off. They just look mm. better. Their defense doesn't look that terrible. I watched that Carolina game closely, and I was like, they were by far the better team. Ridley would help. I, I know you want to overrate wide receivers, but it feels like full strength, uh, Ryan. They're tough there, but missing Ridley, that, that, that's something to think about. Yep. All right. Uh, Bears plus five and a half at Titans. What do you got here? I laid the points here. Titans have lost a couple in a row. I just don't like this. 
Chicago's defense is good, but Foles playing from behind. I just don't like that scenario here. I think the I know the Titans defense is really underperformed, but I, I feel like they'll play better this week. I would use this one too, actually. Okay. I, I, think, right. yep. I think the Titans yep. are actually like toe to toe with Ravens, Steelers. That you know, they're one of those teams, and the Bears are just an average team. Especially with Corey Davis emerging. I mean, Corey Davis and AJ Brown and John who healthy, that's that's interesting. So yeah, let's let's use it. I'm with you. Okay. Lions plus four at Vikings. Now, the Stafford thing is concerning, obviously. He may have COVID, and, or he may have uh, been close to some with COVID. But if he plays, I really like the Lions here. He, uh, yeah, I was on the Lions, and now, yeah, I guess he can clear. I just recorded the pod with P&L. Seemingly, he was out, and then now it's, he does have a chance to recover. So, But we can't TV, touch it. We can't use it. Yeah, can't it. We're not going to yeah. find out. but Because yeah. it, it just... It just seems like a really good sell high in the Vikings, you know, in divisional game getting four, but okay. Uh, Ravens minus two and a half of the Colts. I made it Ravens plus three, but I, that was probably wrong. I thing is like the Ravens looked a little shaky. Lamar is not who he was last year and they lose Ronnie Stanley for the year. Their best offensive lineman. They lost Marshall Yonda in the off season. I mean, the Ravens, their defense is pretty good, but that offense is not nearly what it was. And the Colts, though, Phillip Rivers against a good defense is terrifying, but I took the Colts. Agreed. You just said it all. Stay away. Colts seems like even teams. Why are they not favored by three? But at the same time, how confident are you with Rivers in that defense? And Jackson has upside. Jackson actually has, like, upside, you know, if if it clicks. All right, Panthers plus 10.5 of the Chiefs. I made this 14, (laughs) but then I immediately was like, this is ridiculous. When I saw the line, I was like, I'm being ridiculous. Chiefs are, like, not that good, but. You know, when, when, the thing about the Chiefs is when they make it look easy, it is easy. And then sometimes right. they just don't, and you never really know. But I would stay away from this one. Yeah, I would too. I took the Panthers, but it could be over. Yeah, I could know I'm on the wrong side immediately, even though it's a double-digit spread. But Teddy B has got an 8.7 YPA on the road. Their defense has been okay. So I, Falcons I dominated them last week. That, was I know. Like, that got me I off know. of that. I, I saw them play well against... McCaffrey's back. They have 10 days to prepare. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Texans minus seven at Jaguars. I made it six and a half and it was six and a half. Then it went up to seven. I'm like, uh, now I'm on the Jaguars. I have zero feel for this one. Yeah. I have, I took Jacksonville just because who's going to take them Uh, like Houston offense, but they're not a good enough team to lay nearly seven points on the road. And who knows, who knows with Luton, but I take the points. Giants plus three at football team. I think it's the right line. I, I like the Giants. They played played really well against the Rams, the Bucks. They played well against the they played close game against the Bears, Rams, Bucks, and one other team that was pretty good. Oh, and the Eagles. They should have beat. And they're getting three, and they beat the football team the first time. Although if the football team gets the two point conversion, they win. So I, I don't know. I, I would use it, but I'm not strong on it. Yeah, it's one of my three favorite bets is Washington. So I um, I would have liked it more Giants pulled off like an overtime win on Monday night. But still a short week travel versus a team coming off a bye. I like the fact that Washington lost on that last time they faced each other. Man, your guy Danny Dimes, 34 turnovers, first 20 games, the most since Ryan Leaf. Oh, and you have the pleasure of getting Dante Pettis. I felt kind of mean writing it in my <laughs> recap. I said, I said in my Sunday night recap, the only question with Dante Pettis is will the Niners release him before or after the flight? And they did allow him to get on the team flight home, but that was inevitable because Shanahan's been so down on him. But this dude was taken in the second round not that long wow. ago. Now I'll, he's on easier problem now. I'll see your Dante Pettis and raise you an Evan Ingram. I mean, he's a first rounder, yeah. and God, those guys are yeah. so similar. Like, have physical t- talent. You know, Dante Pettis is super quick, but just not football players. You know, some guys just it's not about you know the gym or whatever. It's about making football plays, and they're both kind of. Capable. Yeah. We can Raiders, battle this one out on, on XM, but I have Washington as my number two fantasy D only behind Pittsburgh, and I, and I think Allen's an upgrade. So I really like Washington. So we, uh, we, yeah, we'll have to we'll, we'll battle that one. I mean, if you want it, you can have it. I, I don't really care that much. It's not like I, yeah, I the Giants at this point in the year. Our Raiders plus one and a half at Chargers. I took the Chargers. I made it three, uh, but the Raiders have been good. We were wrong on this one last week. The Raiders have been stout. I just think. It's a good spot. You know, Raiders coming off the win, the Chargers coming off a dev- I don't like teams off a devastating loss, or rather a blowout loss, but Herbert's so good and the Raiders defense isn't very good. Yeah, 31st in DVOA, your favorite stat. I know, I keep fading Gruden to my detriment. This is another one of my three favorite bets. That dude, the Raiders held the Browns to six possessions. That's the fewest in a game in 30 years. The weather was weird. Yeah. But um, I know, I guess no team's ever blown 
three straight 16-point leads, and the Chargers have now done it in four straight games. Pretty wild. I know they won one of them. But Herbert's good. Why is this spread not three? Um, that's what I, I would use the Chargers for sure. I think that's so, fluke them blowing those leads, and Herbert's good. Their defense is way better. Ted Bell has a stat where, like, Teams favored by less than three at home have got have not covered. I believe like they've been like thirty eight percent against the spread or something over the last fifty. Not that that's necessarily anything. I said it's like four percent chance that would be that would happen by chance if you just you know flip a coin a hundred times the chance of getting thirty eight or fewer heads. But still, How many of those teams had Troy Maine Pope in their backfield though? That's the main question. That's right. He, but he Troy Maine Troy Maine has an injury though. Unfortunately, yeah, he does. You're right. You're right. All right. Uh, Steelers minus thirteen and a half at the Cowboys. I took the Cowboys, but. This is not something you can really apply serious analysis to, I don't think. Me neither. I held my nose and took the Cowboys just because that seemed like the right side to be on. And can I just point out now with the Steelers, the only uh, undefeated team remaining, that that was my big NFL future bet before the season, 22-1. So look to them to lose the Super Bowl this year after my <laughs> Niners last year and Tampa Bay Rays. You're gonna, uh, Steelers, yeah. They're going to lose to the Bucks, and then you're going to, you know, that, our Bucks pats <laughs> bet. Remember when you told me that how bad of a bet oh, I made wow. when I took the, the Bucks wow. and the Pats? Dude. Brady, they're adding Antonio Brown's freaking sipping pina coladas in Florida while Belichick's complaining in salary cap hell. I mean, oh, Gronk, oh, Fournette, okay, awesome offensive line, league's best defense. Yeah, I'm beginning to think Brady made the right decision there, and I might have been off base. Yeah, and it's just, it's crazy. Brady looks good, right? Like, he looks yeah, like he does. pretty sharp. You know, he, look, he does not quite peak Brady, but, and Gronk looks good. Gronk is looking like he's 31, he's moving well, he's. Catching everything that's thrown his way. He looks good. I'm in one other two-strike survivor um, in which I went with Tampa Bay, and that would have just been fitting if Brady had lost it for me in the year in which he looks otherwise great against your Giants. He should have lost it. The Giants had outplayed him. That was P.I. That was P.I. Yeah, that was P.I. That would have been a tie. But, I mean, how many times should Darius Slayton have gotten touchdowns and Shepard was open deep and, like, three or four terrible calls, holding calls and – that call where uh, Cameron Brait lowers his head into the DB, yeah, right. who's just like standing there, like what the, f- yeah. what the fuck was that? Yeah. Was- All right, so anyway, uh, I was so enraged watching that. Dolphins plus four and a half at Cardinals. I took the Dolphins. Rufus loves the Cardinals. Actually, I don't feel that strongly though. Cardinals, my best bet of the week. I absolutely love the setup here. Coming off the bye, Murray's way better at home. They're strong rushing team. But Miami's the worst rush defense in the league coming off that fluke game. Do you know that they, uh, the Rams outgained the Dolphins by more yards than any team in any game this season by 326 yeah, and still lost? We've got to count the interception touchdown yard and the kick return yards to so throw those in. I mean, you know, it's like, oh, you want to outgain uh, the best team in the league? Yeah, just throw a pick totally. six of them every play and you'll outgain them. Listen, I listen, I watched a ten minute clip of Tua the night before and came away convinced he's Steve Young two point um, and then he looked <laughs> the opposite of that. And I'm t- I, yes, I understand he wasn't asked to do much, but he was awful in that limited sample. And going to uh, Arizona, playing from behind, I I love the Cardinals. I, I sent this pick in you my best bet. Then then heard the next morning Rufus uh, said his his line had it at nine, I believe, on yeah, your show. So that's right. yeah, we're you. I'm fighting to use Arizona. That's fine. That's fine. I, I'm I don't really care about. That. Uh, this one uh saints plus five and a half at bucks i like the saints i think five and a half too much i think it should be three looks like michael thomas might be back Manuel sanders should be back and i think that dimes couldn't deliver but slayton and shepherd showed that back four in tampa's beatable it's their front that's good but i think you can exploit them a little bit so i think the saints are a good bet here yeah, I'm not sure if that exploited them or if that was a bad defensive game and they're gonna that was a D minus game and they're gonna bring their A game this week. But having said that, I did I did take the points ultimately here. And even if you can't push the ball downfield, Breeze is getting it done. And that, yeah, these are two of the better teams. That's a lot, you know, decent amount of points. So I'm with you. Okay. Camara is banked up though, and that you know he's one of the running backs that matters. Yeah, and I think it's okay. I don't think he was seriously hurt, but you never know. Pats minus seven at Jets. I laid the wood. I think the Pats, you know, they covered last week, and Cam Newton fumbles, but they should have tied that game at least in Buffalo. As ugly as the Pats are this year, they're still able to go toe-to-toe on the road in Buffalo. They're not broken yet, and I think they smashed the Jets. Yeah, you're probably right. I I took the Jets, and even talking with P now on the gambling pod, I could I couldn't I couldn't form a good argument. They're on pace for the worst point differential NFL history. 
Gase is probably imminently going to bench Denzel Mims because he made a nice play. Uh, the the yes. Pats have lost four in a row, and I know Ted Bell is calling me a donkey right now. Uh, so I took the Jets and regret it. So I think we can find a five pretty easily. We're going to go Titans, that's for sure. Yep. We're yep. going to go with the... Zona, I'm forcing with Zona. Arizona, on. fine. We're going with the Saints. That's three. Yeah. Let's go with the Pats. That's four. And then what's the fifth? Well, I like Washington. I like Washington if it's only three. We'll, we'll look at the spread and we can talk more okay. during next we'll Talk time. tomorrow. But, okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we've gone, we've gone the full hour. And uh, you got anything to say for yourself besides this? No, not much. Eric Andre's show is back. Um, Hannibal uh, left. Um, it's more of the same funny stuff. Um, I've already recommended the Al Franken interview. That's the best, the best quality entertainment of the week. Mandalorian's back. I love the season premiere. Definitely not a list show, but it's a fun show you can watch with your kids. But um, good stuff, Liz. Um, crazy stuff going on in the world. But uh, yeah, good times, man. Hey, don't say we can't win two games in the Super Contest every week because we do. We deliver. That's right. Guaranteed. Locked to win at least two. That's right. All right, man. Take it easy. Talk to you next week. Later, Liz.